right, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Proverbs chapter 26. Proverbs chapter 26. And as I've said in the beginning of this proverb, it is very well laid out as far as categories. I've been going through the chapters, and as I go through each chapter, I read them, and I, I look for the category, uh, or categories rather, that would be covered in that chapter, and then I categorize all the verses for that chapter, and we cover each category. When I opened Proverbs 26 and I read through it, looking for categories, I was very pleasantly surprised because, uh, as I said two weeks now, verses 1 through 12 uh, cover the fool, and, uh, and I was very clear and cut and dry. It was easy. And then verses 13 through 16 uh, cover the slothful person or the sluggard. And then verses 17 through 21 cover the strife. Uh, and verses 22 down through 28 all cover uh, the words that we would speak. And so it was all uh, already categorized. I was like, praise the Lord, somebody already did my work for me. And, uh, and I can just go through and, and take each verse as we get to it. So we're going to start in, in verse number 13 this evening. Proverbs 26 and verse number 13. And the Bible says, The slothful man saith, There is a lion in the way. A lion is in the streets. As the door turneth upon his hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed. The slothful hideth his hand in his bosom. It grieveth him to bring it again to his mouth. The sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. And let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word. Father, God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray, Father, that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch each and every heart uh, that is, is listening tonight. And God, I pray that you would help us uh, with your word. And Father, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we look at these verses, uh, we, we can clearly see that the theme there is slothful and sluggard. In the Bible, uh, we are commanded to guard our heart uh, and be careful about our life uh, because God is holy. And so the Bible says, hey, that we are to be holy. And not all sin uh, is outward, blatant, obvious sin. I mean, there are sins uh, that are blatant and there are sins that are obvious, but there's a lot of sins of the heart as well. Uh, things that are, are not as easily seen and not as, as uh, perhaps obvious to other people. Uh, and if you think about your life as or your inner person as a garden or a flower bed, uh, listen, if it's not kept, uh, things can get out of hand really fast. Uh, my house, when we moved into it, the uh, yard had not been tended to as it should have been. And uh, as a result, the, the flower beds were kind of let go and there was bushes that were definitely overgrown and, and lots of weeds that had sprung up in all the flower beds. And I am not a good gardener. That is just, I, I am not. Uh, I can mow the yard. I can do that. Praise the Lord for that. But uh, I, I, man, I'd go out and I didn't know what was weed and what was flower. And so uh, I didn't want to pull the flowers, but, uh, but man, I just kind of was looking. And, and after a while, we finally got it somewhat cleaned. It's still not pretty by any stretch of the imagination, but it's better than it was, and we're making progress. Uh, but, but, you know, our life, if we, don't go, if we don't tend to our life, weeds will spring up in our garden. 
And, and, and before long, if those go unchecked and if those go without being uh, weeded out of our life, listen, they will sprout into big, ugly plants uh, that will grow within our life and we will have a serious problem uh, in our life. And so in this chapter, uh, or in these verses rather, that we're dealing with, uh, it's talking about slothfulness. And listen, every person, uh, every person will be tempted to be slothful or sluggish or uh, lazy in their life. You know, people only work as much as they have to. If you raise your children and you give them everything that they want, uh, and, and you take and as they grow up and uh, you never make them do anything or uh, you're constantly just giving them everything, you know what's going to happen is when they turn 20, they're not going to want to go get a job because you're supposed to just give them everything that they want. That's what you've done your, their whole life. And they're not going to change. That's not, it doesn't, when somebody turns 18, it's not automatic. Oh, now I'm supposed to be an adult and I'm supposed to go out and I'm supposed to take care of myself and provide for myself. It's not automatic. It is taught with time. And, uh, and I'm grateful to my parents that, have, that taught me how to work. Uh, and we need to do that. We need to be careful that we don't breed laziness in our own life, not only in our, in our children's life, but in our life, we have to be careful and guard against laziness because every one of us would have the tendency to do as little as possible. That's just human nature. Um, and so we need to be careful of these things. And hopefully by looking at these verses, we'll spot some signs uh, of slothfulness and, uh, and we can grab that little tiny weed while it's small and yank it out when all the roots come out instead of grabbing a hold of it with our hands and getting the thorns and briars and then pulling it out and it breaks off and the roots are still there and it comes right back and it becomes a real problem. Uh, and so we need to make sure that we take care of it before it gets large and becomes a serious problem uh, even in our own life. So these are some signs, spotting the signs of slothfulness in the Bible. The Bible says, or in our life, spotting the signs of slothfulness in our life. The Bible says here in verse number 13, the slothful man saith, there is a lion in the way, a lion in the streets. Now, we covered a verse that was very similar to this in the past, uh, but uh, it's interesting when you read this, uh, you think, what in the world is he talking about? Most of the Proverbs, he says, as. Uh, but this one, he just lays it out there. He just says, the slothful man saith, there is a lion in the way, a lion in the streets. And so you have to stop and you have to think, well, what is he trying to get across with this illustration? And there's a couple things that I want us to notice about this uh, is, is in this verse, we can see the excuses of, sloth, of the slothful, the excuses of the slothful. I want you to notice here, the Bible says that he simply saith, there is a lion in the way. There's no mention of seeing a lion. There's no mention of going out and saying, man, I saw a lion in the street and running back into his house. He didn't go out and see a lion. This is a concocted danger that he imagined that he came up with so that he can shut himself in his house without leaving. It was an excuse, if you will, for him not to go to the fields and work. Now, maybe he heard it rumored in town. And, uh, and the rumors were, well, you know, I saw a lion print the other day, and, and, and it might have been just a big kitty cat. 
Uh, but, uh, but hey, he heard the rumors and therefore, hey, I'm not going out. Man, there's a, there's a lion out there and, and man, it could eat me. And there's a concocted danger. Uh, he, didn't even, uh, he didn't even hear of it. The Bible doesn't give us any mention that he heard of it. It just simply says that the slothful man saith there is a lion in the way. He didn't hear of a lion. He didn't turn the news on that morning and say, there's a lion in the streets. Be careful. Uh, he didn't open his Facebook up and say, well, there's a lion out there. You better be careful. He didn't turn uh, uh, anything else on and see that. Uh, he just kind of came up with this idea. Listen, a lot of people uh, come up with reasons not to do something. Um, and listen, if you want reasons not to do something, they're ample. They're easy. Uh, it, it's easy. I heard an old song a long time ago, uh, excuses, excuses, uh, the devil will provide. Uh, and, 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 you know, excuses for not going to church. Well, uh, the, the kid's nose was runny. So the whole family had to stay home just to blow that poor boy's nose. You know, excuses. I mean, those are things that people come up with and, uh, and they'll come up with any reason to not do what they are supposed to do. Here we see the slothful man or somebody who is lazy or not wanting to do what they're supposed to do says there is a lion in the way. I remember telling my kids many times um, to go do something and, uh, and they would go out to do it and the first obstacle they hit, they come back in. I can't do it. Why can't you do it? Well, because the trash is too heavy. Well, then you know what? Get your sister to help you and pick up the trash or get your sibling or, you know, I mean, overcome the obstacle. Uh, and by the way, that's the way every child is. You know, the first obstacle they run into, well, I can't do it. Uh, well, you got to think of ways. Uh, you got you to gotta be ingenuitive. And sometimes you have to work a little harder to get something done. Uh, but you strive to get that done instead of coming up with reasons uh, that not to do something. The Bible says this in Proverbs 20 in verse number four. Uh, Proverbs 24, you can just mark it down. It says, the sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. In other words, man, it, it's too cold to go out there and plow. Oh, it's too cold to go out there and plant seeds. Oh, it's too hot to go mow the lawn. Oh, it's this or it's that. And all the reasons that can be uh, invented uh, for not doing work, man, they're readily available. Matter of fact, you listen, you'll hear them regularly every day. Uh, people are always giving reasons why this or why that, and they'll tell you uh, why they can't do something. In this case, we find that it was a concocted danger uh, that he invented, that he came up with. Not only that, but I want you to notice the second part. He says, a lion is in the streets. Uh, I wrote down here not only a concocted danger, but a cowardly fear. Um, fear is real. There's no doubt about it. It is a feeling that we feel. And, uh, and, and this fella uh, was, was putting out all the, the fearful reasons trying to express legitimate reason why he should not go out and do whatever it was that he should. And listen, fear is not of God. The Bible says uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, turn with me over there, save your spot in Proverbs, we'll be back there. 2 Timothy chapter 1, 
Now, I want you to see this verse in your Bible. Matter of fact, I would encourage you to underline this Bible or this verse. Underline the Bible, yeah. Underline just this verse. Underline just this verse. Uh, this verse is helpful. I, when, I was, when I was, I don't know, 8, 10, I don't know, I was young. And I'll tell you what, I was fearful. And I thought, man, I was a shy boy. I was backward as a child. I, I didn't like to talk to people. I didn't like to stand in front of people because I was scared to death of people. And one time when I was reading my Bible as, as a 8 or 10-year-old child, I came across this verse, and it says in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, it says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. When I read that as a uh, eight or 10 year old boy or however old I was, I, I underlined that. Not only did I underline that in my Bible, I took it to task to memorize that verse. You know why? It spoke to my heart. It helped me tremendously. Uh, and I realized, you know what? God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And if you take that verse to heart, you'd realize, hey, if God is going with us, hey, we don't have anything to fear. If we're living for the Lord and we're doing what we're supposed to do, then we don't have any reason to fear. This fellow back here in Proverbs, he had concocted uh, a danger and a story, but then he had a cowardly fear that was controlling his life that said, hey, I'm not going out because there's a lion in the street. Listen, you know what a worker would have done? A worker would have said, man, I'm grabbing my slingshot. David would have said, I'm grabbing my slingshot, and you know what, I'm going to go tend to the flocks. He was a diligent worker. And he said, I'm not going to be set around fearful of some lion. I'm going to go out and do the job that I'm supposed to do. And so we need to understand that slothfulness will give us many excuses. And they'll come in all kinds of forms. And they will, they will hold us back and they will keep us from doing what we ought to do. And we need to be careful of laziness and throwing out excuses. And so uh, one of the things that I always appreciated about Peru was, man, those people would work in spite of all their obstacles. Uh, they say that necessity is the mother of invention. Uh, and in Peru, I saw that time and time and time again. Many, many people would have just said, man, well, I don't have what I need. I can't do it. And they would just give up. Uh, but, but there in Peru, they didn't say, well, I don't have what I need. They, they would find something and make something and use whatever they had to get the job done. And so we need to be careful not to excuse, uh, our, uh, make excuses for not doing a job. I put down here, don't tell me why you can't get a job done. Tell me what obstacles you hurdled to get it done. And I always enjoy hearing about uh, how somebody had difficulty, but they overcame it. And they figured out, well, I couldn't do this, but then I figured out a way around it and I, I got it done. Uh, and I always enjoy that. Uh, but excuses, that's anybody can be stopped in their tracks because of excuses. We need to be careful of excuses. It's a, it's a sign of slothfulness. Look at verse number 14. We find in verse number 14, as the door turneth upon the hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed. As the door turneth upon his hinges, so doth the slothful upon his bed. The energy of the slothful. 
the energy of the slothful. You, you ever see a door, I mean, well, you've seen doors, obviously, but you ever notice this about doors? Is they really, uh, they go back and forth, but that's all they move. They don't go anywhere. Uh, they, don't, they, don't, uh, they don't accomplish much. They, they may keep a breeze out or keep bugs out or animals out, uh, but, but really all they do is swing back and forth. They move, but they don't get very much done. And, uh, and the same thing can be said about a slothful person uh, on their bed. It's an illustration. He says, as the door turneth upon his hinges, so the slothful upon his bed. In other words, he's sleeping. He's all comfortable. And you know what happens? Rolls over because his mom pounds on the door, his dad pounds on the door. Hey, get up. And he rolls over and he goes right back to sleep. And he says, and, uh, and, and, he, and he says, hey, he's just going to stay there. And now he, he'll move. He'll swap over to the other side, get tired of that side and swap over to the other side. And, and as a door swings upon the hinges, uh, so doth a, a slothful upon his bed. In other words, uh, he'll spend a lot of time in bed. The Bible says in Proverbs 6, 9, I looked up all the verses that covered slothful and sluggard, and, and it was amazing. The book of Proverbs is full uh, of advice and, and direction about this. And in Proverbs 6, verses 9, the Bible says, how long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard? When wilt thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of thy hands to sleep. Um, and so uh, we need to be careful about how much we sleep. Now, listen, you ought to sleep. Uh, they give you, I don't know, six to eight hours that you ought to sleep. And depending on what age and all that, you can look it up. There's scientific studies that will tell you how much sleep. But, and you ought to get the sleep that you need. But you know what? Uh, when you start sleep, it's a sign of slothfulness. Uh, and the more you sleep, the more tired you get. Uh, and the more you don't feel like doing and the less energy that you have and the less, uh, the less motivation you have to get out and do something. And, and so you've got to be careful of that. It's interesting that these words, uh, the word slothful is used several times here. And, uh, and when I read that, of course, I, I thought of the sloth. You ever see the sloth? He's become pretty popular uh, of late. Uh, but before that, you didn't really know much about a sloth. A sloth uh, is an animal. He lives in the jungles down in South America. And a sloth will spend 10 to 15 hours sleeping a day. I read as much as 20 hours a day sleeping. And, uh, and when he is awake, it said that he spends 70% of his awake time resting. <laughs> I read that and I thought, Wow, no wonder the Bible uses the word slothful. Um, you know, I mean, somebody who doesn't do anything, somebody who's improductive, somebody who is uh, just resting most of the time. Uh, I also read that sloths only move 10 feet per minute. That is slow. I mean, they aren't going very far. And I did read that they move less than uh, 100 feet per day. Could you imagine? Um, now, a sloth obviously is one of God's creations, and, and God made it very, very distinct and very unique and very different, uh, but, but it's kind of interesting. Hey, that's where I don't know if our, our English word slothful comes from that or he gets his name from, uh, from the English word. I don't know which one came from where, but I do know this, uh, that, that, hey, sleeping is not going to get things accomplished. 
And just as a door doesn't move, it moves a little, but it doesn't get anything done. Hey, lazy people aren't going to get things done. Uh, and lazy people uh, aren't going to put any effort in. Uh, and lazy people will move out of the way so productive people can go through and they can get their work done. But man, they're not going to put their hand to the plow. Um, they're not going to be the ones that are accomplishing things. The Bible says this in Ecclesiastes 9.10. Uh, I had to memorize this in Bible college. It says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. Listen, that ought to be our motto in life. Christians ought to be known as hard workers. There are enough lazy people in the world um, that God's people should not be known as lazy people. We ought to be known as workers. We ought to be known as people that are willing to put forth our effort and that we're going to work because God speaks very clearly about slothfulness and not being slothful. Matthew Henry put it this way, bodily ease too much consulted is the sad occasion of many a spiritual disease. Like, I was kind of poetic the way he said that. I'll read it one more time. Bodily ease, too much consulted, is the sad occasion of many a spiritual disease. We get lazy in our Christian life, and it becomes a problem. Hey, listen, the Christian life is not an easy life. Um, it's a life that, that requires uh, dedication. It's a life that requires uh, discipline, self-discipline. It's a life that requires. Hey, Jesus said, come unto me. Um, not that one. He said, um, uh, he that would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Does that sound like a, that sounds like a very disciplined life? Paul said, I die daily. That's saying, hey, listen, I'm not going to do what my flesh desires. My flesh desires to be lazy. My flesh desires to relax. My flesh desires to uh, not be disciplined. You know what? My, my flesh does not desire to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning when my alarm goes off. It doesn't. But you know what? My spirit does. Why? So that I can sit down and take some time to read the Word of God. Hey, my spirit needs that. My flesh, it wants to stay in bed. Um, my flesh on Sunday morning, it wants to stay in bed. It doesn't want to get up and get around and come to church. My flesh doesn't desire that. But listen, the spirit life is not a, a life of laziness. It's a life of, of discipline. It's a life of work. And the Bible says in Romans 13, 11, and that knowing the time that it is now high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. In other words, hey, the coming of the Lord is soon. It's imminent. It's even closer now than the day you got saved. Uh, and the truth of the matter is, we're all, hey, after today, we're all one, one step closer to death. Wasn't that encouraging? You say, man. Well, if you look at it as heaven, that is encouraging. That is a blessing. Hey, because we know where we're going to spend eternity. But what he's saying is, listen, our time is short. We don't have a lot of time to work. We don't know how long before the Lord will come back. We don't know how long before we'll be taken out of this world and we'll no longer have an opportunity to witness and be a testimony and be a, an encouragement and be a help to other people. And so we need to work while, while, while it's daylight. I was thinking of that song, um, Work for the Night Cometh. 
And, uh, and we need to be busy about the master's business. We see the energy of the slothful is to lay in bed and not to do anything. Um, and, and it's not very energetic. So we see the excuses of the slothful. We see the energy of the slothful. I want you to see the extent of slothfulness. The extent of slothfulness. Look with me at the next verse. The Bible says in verse 15, The slothful hideth his hand in his bosom. It grieveth him to bring it out again, uh, bring it again to his mouth. Uh, we read this about the same verse. It's a little bit different. The wording is a little bit different in, in Proverbs 19, 24. And, um, and I didn't, I, I commented on the fact that, hey, it was, it, you know, a slothful person, uh, it grieves him even to eat uh, or to uh, feed himself, to take care of himself. What's this idea of putting, putting his hand in his bosom? Turn back with me to Exodus chapter number 4. Save your spot again there in, in Proverbs as we'll be back there. Uh, the, the phrase that's read there, hideth his hand in his bosom. What does that mean? Well, the bosom, if you look the word up in the dictionary, the second definition, at least in the Webster's, the old Webster's dictionary, the folds or covering of cloths about the breast. In other words, this coat is, is like that. It's, it's my covering uh, that, that covers me up. In Exodus chapter 4, we'll see a good example of this, uh, and, and it will help us to understand the phrase, uh, hideth his hand in the bosom. In Exodus chapter 4, God had called Moses to go to release the people of Israel out of bondage, to lead them out of bondage. And we find that Moses was arguing with God. You know what he did? First thing he did, he gave excuses. Imagine that. Isn't that what a slothful man would do? And then Moses was saying, hey, God, I can't go. I can't speak. My tongue doesn't work good. I, I have a speech impediment. I don't speak well. And, and God was here in chapter 4. He was proving to him. He's saying, listen, Moses, I will be with you. And he had that rod in his hand. And, and, the, and God said, throw the rod down. And he threw it down. And it became a serpent. And God told Moses to uh, pick that serpent up. And it turned back into the rod. And then when God is taught, after he showed him that, he said in verse number 6, look with me, we'll read it. Verse number 6, And the Lord said furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. And he said, Put thine hand into thy bosom again. And he put his hand into his bosom again and plucked it out of his bosom. And behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. Now remember, bosom can mean the folds or coverings of clothes, uh, clothes about the breast. So if you imagine Moses, now he probably was not wearing a, a sport jacket like me. Okay, he probably had a tunic on of some sorts. I do not know how uh, Israelis dress. Uh, not in modern day and certainly not in, in Bible times, I'm not sure. But I do know they did have tunics. And so he probably of some sorts maybe went like this with his hand, stuck his hand in his bosom. And then when he pulled it out, I'm not going to do a magic trick or nothing like that. If you were a junior church, I would have thought about how to make my hand come out white and then put it back and have it come out. But you're not, so I didn't. Um, but, he, but he stuck his hand in and he pulled it out and it was white, the Bible says. And then he says, stick your hand back in your bosom. So he stuck it back in his bosom, and he pulled it back out, and it was whole. Now, I, I thought, I was thinking about that. Today, in modern day, we don't wear tunics. Matter of fact, most people don't wear suit coats around with them uh, here and there. But you know what we do have? We all have pockets. 
And, and that's kind of the idea. If you think about Bible times, putting your hands in your bosoms would be, could very well be standing like this. And what do you accomplish with your hands standing like this? Absolutely nothing. You can't get anything done. Because your hands, they're nice and warm, tucked under your arms there, and they're staying nice and warm there, uh, pressed up against your body, but you cannot get anything done with them. And so let's go back to Proverbs and let's read that again. Now that we kind of understand the idea of hiding his hand in his bosom, the Bible says the slothful man hideth his hand in his bosom. And it says it grieveth him to bring it again to his mouth. And so the idea is that, uh, that he hides his hands in his bosom and it grieveth him to bring them to his mouth. In other words, in Bible times, if you didn't work, this was actually kind of part of the law uh, and it's part of the New Testament. If a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. And in Bible times, if you didn't work, you didn't eat. And so you know what? If you stood around all day with your hands tucked under your bosom to keep them warm because it was too cold out to plow or it was too cold out to sow the seed or it was too cold out to, to work the fields or do whatever job you would do, you know what? When it came time for mealtime and you had not provided for yourself, it was a grievous time because you didn't have any food. You didn't take care of yourself. You didn't provide and so the, uh, the idea there, and it's, it's given multiple times throughout the book of Proverbs. You can go back and look them up. Uh, but basically the idea is, hey, if you don't work, then you don't eat. Uh, and we can see the extent of the slothful is, hey, he goes so out of his way to not work that when it does come time to eat, he doesn't have anything. And it becomes a problem in his life. And we see that time and time again. Uh, the Bible says that... Um, um, the soul of the sluggard, uh, basically it says that it will suffer, but, but he that is diligent shall be made fat, is the second part of that verse. In other words, when you work, uh, you'll have supplies for yourself. And so the idea is that, uh, that, that, that don't be slothful to the extent of not working to provide for yourself. The last thing, not only the, uh, can we see the excuses, we can see the... Um, what was the second one there? The energy of the slothful, the extent of the slothful. But look with me at verse 16. We can see the ego of the slothful. Verse number 16. The sluggard, that would be a synonym of, of slothful. The sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. The ego of the slothful. I found this very interesting because um, verse 12 said, when we talked about the fool, we talked about the fool's folly and we talked about all the marks of a fool. And, and then it ends in verse 12. Seest thou a man wise in his own conceit, there is more hope of a fool than of him. And verse 16 says basically the same idea. It's, it's linking the sluggard uh, to a conceitful, foolish person. And the Bible says a slug, the sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. High-mindedness. In other words, well, I've, I've got all my reasons why I'm not going to go to work. I mean, after all, there's a lion out there. And if I die, what good is the work that I do? I mean, I'll, I'll name up for you all the reasons why I can't work. And, and he'll go through, and, and it sounds all good to him. And in his mind, 
hey, he's the smartest person that he knows and nobody is going to convince him otherwise. In other words, seven men that can render a reason, uh, seven people could come at him and say, listen, that's not right and here's why. And we're talking about reasons and rendering and being wise with your ideas. But, a, but that sluggard is going to say, nope, not going to do it. Nope, I know better. And, and he's not going to give up. Uh, I read this story and I found it kind of ironic and funny. It says, back in the day, many people would hop trains to travel free of charge from place to place, and they were hobos. They would, they'd jump on the train. And in, in this hobo's travels, he stopped in Denver, hungry from his travels. And he walked around the town looking for someone to take pity on him and give him a bite to eat. And, and man, he, he was just looking for a handout. And everywhere he went, he got the same response. In disgust, he finally headed back to the train station. And on his way back to the train station, he, he muttered under his breath, this has got to be the laziest town I have ever been to. Every person I met wanted me to do work for him. And that's the reason of a lazy person that would say, Man, they just all wanted me to do their work for them, and they didn't want to do it themselves. And, and listen, this verse says, The sluggard is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason. And we find the high-mindedness of, man, I'm smarter than everyone else, and the haughty spirit that goes along with that, uh, that, listen, well, I'm better than everyone else, and that's why I don't have to work, or I don't have to do this, or I don't have to do that. And we find that uh, the ego of the slothful is very large, and it becomes a problem uh, so much that, hey, he's not going to do anything. I was reminded of this verse in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 11. The Bible says, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Listen, may we as Christians not be slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Listen, we got to be we got to be fervent in serving the Lord. What's what's fervent? Fervency is the opposite of slothfulness. It's saying, man, I want to do something for the Lord. Hey, it's going to take energy. It's going to take work. It's going to take extra effort. It's going to take, uh, it's going to take uh, dedication. It's going to take commitment. It's going to take uh, going out and, and doing more uh, and, and, and not holding back. But yet the Bible is very clear, hey, that we as Christians, we ought to be not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. As Christians, we need to be careful that we don't become slothful we don't become sluggards. We don't become lazy. Listen, it's natural. We got to guard against our, our natural desire to do that. We got to guard against our natural uh, flesh that desires to, to become lazy. And, and that we need to make sure that, hey, we are fervent in spirit and that we are serving the Lord with zeal and, and with dedication to the Lord. And so that's just a few things uh, on slothfulness and the sluggard. And again, I hope it's a help and a blessing to you. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for your word. And God, truly in our lives, we do have to be careful of slothfulness, laziness, being a sluggard, not desiring to work.
God, may we be workers for the Lord, for you. God, when you took your disciples into the garden and you said, could ye not watch and pray with me one hour? God, may we have dedication to you. May we be fervent in spirit. May we be serving the Lord. May we not be slothful in business. God, help us to work for your honor and for your glory. And God, clearly we can, it's evident we live in a dark day. It's evident we live in a wicked world. And God, may that inspire and challenge us only to work the harder before you return. May we be challenged. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God spoke into your heart, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. That's what we want to be. May we guard in our hearts against slothfulness, against laziness. invitation to a close. Again, appreciate your faithfulness to the Lord and being here this evening and hope pray that that was a help and a blessing to you. And uh, one thing, one announcement is the Ladies Spring Banquet this Friday night. So if you